Episode 19 of Gaming NBS. We're explicit and sponsored by darktheater.net. That's D-A-R-K-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.net. Check them out. Welcome to Gaming NBS. I'm your one of your co-hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome back, folks. Glad to have you all around once again. So um, the last episode was realignment, and it's been pretty quiet. Very quiet. I think it's the usual. <laughs> I think a lot of people who had things to say about alignment said it to us. We responded back by reading it. Had a little back and forth there. and <clears throat> That was it. Yeah, which is fine. I think, honestly, it's it's one of those... Uh, you know, gorillas in the corner, pink elephant, whatever the hell you want to say. It's that that thing that gets talked about a little bit. And then at the end of the day, people are like, yeah, I, I've had enough of that. Please move on to something mm. else. So could easily, you know, it's one of the pieces where if it ever comes back up again, probably a sub piece of another topic. But yeah. I think we pretty much covered it, at least from our perspective. No announcements this week that I have, Brett. Nothing new, no. Packers lost. <sighs> yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. As my buddy Zave would say, go sport, do the team, kick it through the hoop. I mean, you know, whatever. They didn't I, I don't, <laughs> They didn't pull it off. I, I mean, I honestly, don't. I don't. I love my Packers, but if, I find if I watch them, especially in critical games, I get like – I'm that asshole Packer fan when I'm watching the game. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just – I'll listen to the updates. I'll check the highlights, and I'll just kind of step away from it. So Yeah, in case you didn't know and you tuned in, uh, Brett and I live in the wonderful state of Wisconsin – um, where beer, cheese reigns supreme, and people like the Packers. And I am not a Packer fan, so and it does tear. It Wayne Humphrey, quit freaking! I don't care about the Packers. <laughs> quit throwing me bones about the Packers. He's going to keep doing it now that he knows it irks me. Yeah, we'll we'll turn him over, Wayne. Don't worry, we'll get him. It's I've lived in the states for I've lived in the state for at least three decades, and I am still not a Packer fan. And I don't good on everybody else. I don't care. No, you're de- your default Packer fan. You have no choice. No. If you've lived here that long, it's in you. Well, and that's the funny thing is like, you're, you're near, how can you not root for the home team, you know, or your whatever? I'm like, it's, I wasn't born in Wisconsin. So, yeah, whatever. Anyway, we'll talk about your failings as a human later. They choked. That's all I got to say. You should have heard what I was going to tell my, my wife, what I was going to put out on Twitter. What? Should I say it on the air? Sure. So I was going to say, I should put, I should tweet out there and go, remember Wisconsin men, it's not your wife's fault. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those pieces that, and unfortunately, every every major athletic thing, there's some white trash son of a bitch somewhere. I who think statistically. Kick, he, he kicks the dog. He I, does something stupid. I think statistically, domestic abuse does go up if the home team loses. I, I don't know. I could be wrong, but I, I, I bet you anything I could find it somewhere, whether it's just coincidence or what. Well, that's one of the reasons why we play role-playing games, because all all you can do there is kill their character, That's and that that's expected. So anyway, off all we right. go. So I'm sorry if I offended anybody. <laughs> Not really. Yeah, actually, I am. 
All right, moving on. Last week it was opening with something bad. And <laughs> <laughs> before that you were singing. So we're hopefully at some point we'll get you back to where you belong. All right, let's let's go. Hey, let's talk about let's get Michael. Uh, uh we're going to go to our sponsor here just a second. Michael Aldhauser, a friend of the show and sponsor, is the gamer behind the awesome dice bags available at grayedout.etsy.com. Yeah, I've got four of these awesome bags. These are stand-up bags, dual drawstring, tough as nails. He can do custom work. He's got a ton of things in his shop, custom colors, you name it, he can pull it off for you. Be sure to mention Gaming NBS for a 10% discount when you place your order. At the website, grayedout, that's G-R-E-Y-E-D-O-U-T dot Etsy dot com. And we're back! Yay! It's that uh, DJ skit from Saturday Night Live I just feel like doing on occasion. Have you ever seen that? Um, I think I have. It's like Jimmy Fallon. It's yeah, the, I don't. What is my, my wife, she makes a lot of noise when she cooks. Hey, well. Well. Anyways, all right, topic of discussion today. Br- Brett, you want to intro the home? Well, almost gave it yeah. away. <laughs> what I wanted to talk about today was homebrew settings. After talking about the alignment stuff for a, for a bit and talking about what um, Sean does in his games, what I do in my games, and also earlier when we talked about the, uh, the sci-fi component, and I'm building a sci-fi world right now for my group. We're going to kick off a, a game at the end of the month. I thought, hey, let's talk about the homebrew pieces. One of the things that makes this kind of near and dear to my heart is, one, I, I, I like to build worlds. It's fun. It's like come up with all the components of it and so on. I think as a game master, if you do that long enough, you're going to want to run something unique or or uh, <clears throat> at least, uh, excuse me, at least your own spin on an existing world. And one of the reasons I really like doing it more, um, especially with um, – what I'll consider like your traditional game, like a and d or something, something along those lines, is because when you homebrew it or you tweak it and um, you purposely change things from the official canon, you get that wonder feeling back for your players, right? Sean had alluded a couple podcasts back about a buddy of his who had this huge, during the props piece, he made this big book and uh, had these you know monsters he developed himself and these various different components of it. I know a lot of people do that stuff, but I really think... Um, it's just it's one of those pieces that I know people um the pre-made worlds sell really, really well. They're incredibly popular. Forgotten Realms, Greyhawk, um, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, the World of Darkness stuff. I mean, there's every world every system has their own world. And I know people have said in the past that it's not systems don't sell games, worlds sell games. And I kind of I kind of get that, though I think Pathfinder's kind of um and maybe that's just me. I don't. I've never played in Galorian, really, so I, I don't know how incredibly popular that world is compared to something like the Realms or something. But anyway, what I wanted to chat about today with Sean was just around homebrews and um, what's what's cool about them, what are ups and downs, and uh, what he's done, what I've done, that type of thing. So, is that cool with you, Sean? Yeah, that's totally cool. Although I may be at a, um, I may not be able to deliver. I'm. I have not. I haven't run a homebrew in quite some time, and I can't remember the last time I actually did. Um, because it, well, I don't know. It takes a lot of freaking time to to come up with a world. It can, and I think one of the things that the way I've done it in the past is I can actually do it in a weekend. Um, if I've got 
some time to sit down and just write things up. And I think it's not perhaps not as intensive as people think it is. And I think that's maybe something we can talk about. But let's I, I kind of figured we kick off with the the concept of the published world. Let's you know, Forgotten Realms is one of the big gorillas out there. Um Greyhawk Which, is it's still out there well, and so forth. And let's be fair, Forgotten Realms and Greyhawk started out as homebrews. Absolutely, very true. Well, I mean, I mean, any world, unless it's most of them, I, are. unless it's IP, it's somebody's homebrew. Right. Right? A gaming company sat down and did this. Galorian, um, let's Jason, see, Jason Bowman's, I think. Yeah, anything, any game world you have, um, Dungeon World itself, like that, that game specifically doesn't do that. Right. You know, help you're supposed to build it. Uh, as a as a group or whatever it is, but <clears throat> games like Mouse Guard, it, it comes with now. Granted, that's IP. Oh, well, ah, shit, this is all IP, right? I mean, mm. the fact is, there's published worlds out there for various different game systems, and one of the cool parts about a published world is everybody knows, right? Anyone can buy the source; they can read it. You're not relying on Brett or Sean or your game master to write something up, answer your question, wherever it is. And if it's a really well done, um, quote unquote, really complete type of uh, world, there's a lot of answers to be found, a lot of really good data out there, and you can just kind of pick it up, grab it, and go. So that concept of, I don't have time for it, or it's a lot of work, or I'm really not even sure where to begin, it's a really good place. And so that's kind of cool. I mean, when I first started playing, Greyhawk was was it, Dragonlance, uh, Forgotten Realms, I got into that. Um, even things like when I first played Star Frontiers, we used the Frontier Space, their systems, and so forth. And um, um, even with uh, with GURPS, it's all you know, kind of setting agnostic. But it was all um, my friends who would run that would take it and work it into something from a novel setting or something where everybody had um, a base uh, a base knowledge where you could go out and get source in some way. When you're doing a real pure homebrew, it's all out of Brett's head or Sean's head. <clears throat> at least that conceptually, and then it just makes it a little bit harder to get the info from point A to point B, I guess. It's a long way around. That's where I'm going. So when you run – so what you're doing now, Sean, for the 5e um, adventure you're doing on Roll20 and stuff, is that uh, a world that's already existing, or wh- where does that take place? I don't know anything about what, you, what that world – what that adventure you're running right now, what world that's placed in. I'm running oh. – Excuse me, I'm running uh, The Lost Mine of Fandelver. And that takes place in the mighty Forgotten Realms. Okay. Now, the closest thing that I did um, homebrew was, um, well, this is quite a while ago. I started out, this was before Pathfinder came out, and uh, we were running 3.5, and I bought the Age of Worms, which is the dungeon so Dungeon Magazine started putting out, when Paizo had it, actual campaign arcs over a series of four or six, uh, four or six issues would put in you know, the same campaign arc. And the Age of Worms was one of them. And I started them out with the Age of Worms, and then I took them into then, – then I think I diverted. But um, Age of Worms taking the Sons of Caius to new and yeah. – more depraved levels. Yeah, and it started out there, and then I think I moved it in, and I can't remember, I might have based it in Eberron to begin with. Okay. But but it was, and then it went off the skids a little bit. But So the world wasn't homebrew necessarily, but I took a kind of 
module adventure path and just went, yeah, okay, I'm not going to follow what's the future, and I took it off the rails. Okay. Now, the other, to that point, I guess, when I've run, when I've had bad luck with published worlds is when I get that person. This kind of goes to my sci-fi complaint about using intellectual property that belongs to somebody else is you, you're not doing it right, you know, some bitch along those lines. Where that's not how that worked in <coughs> X World. The uh, mages don't do that here, or well, I don't know if that's really what that's supposed to do, or whatever the case is. So when you're running published, I've found that I've had to tell them in some way that even when I ran my World of Darkness stuff back in my vampire heydays, I told people, I'm like, look, I don't follow the official canon, I take bits and pieces of it. So what you may know from the official White Wolf storyline, the big background NPCs kicking ass story arc may or may not appear in my game or some components of it might, but don't, don't take that as canon. And I would have to tell that to new players so that they would get it because otherwise if they were huge white wolf fans that were following that story arc, they'd be like, Whoa, wait a minute, Brett, you're doing X and that's not right. Or, uh, aren't you taking into account this other book or something? I would say, well, remember I'm not doing that. So therefore that doesn't show up here. Yeah, I wish I don't, I I really wish that I wouldn't have delved into as many pre-published settings as we have. Like I have a lot of I have the three O Forgotten Realms book. I have a lot of Eberron, and I have Greyhawk the box set. I have, also have the box set of Forgotten Realms, which I I didn't. I'm not really hip on. I I mean I'm not up to like Forgotten Realms. I just mm-hmm. know certain b- words, but. You know, and then there's Pathfinder, and I've got the campaign guide. And I think I buy those because I'm the DM, and I can lean on those. But eventually what happens is I will talk to the group and say, hey, we're going to be in this world or that world, and this is where gonna, it's going to take place. And they or may some of them may or may not grab one of those and then pick a country that they're from and, and then nail that. And they'll read the whole book anyways. Mm-hmm. And that... Oh, it's starting so to really suck. I, I, I doc it. My buddy doc is running homebrew and I'm really excited about it. Cause I don't know anything about it. See, that's the, the cool part about <clears throat> to me building a world. There's a couple different options when you start with it. And, um, one of them is if you go back to the old, there's an old dragon magazine article that Ed Greenwood did ages back. He talks about how, how you build, you basically, you don't get into, and he mentioned this at uh, Game Hall at the seminar um, he was at that I, I was at that he was giving, excuse me. And um, you know, where Dragonland, the prop, the Dragonlance problem, I believe was his uh, was his phrase for it was there's basically one big story in Dragonlance that's already been told. He wanted his world to be the place of a thousand stories, kind of like the Fafford and the Gray Mauser. They're always going out and doing different things. There's a ton of different places to go, lots of different things that could occur, and so forth. That's how he started things back before. Um, he sold it to TSR and so on. But anyway, <clears throat> the point is, is when you build it yourself or with your group, there's, you know, building it yourself and then sharing data out as I tend to do or building it as a group sitting around the table like you would in Dungeon World or other types of uh, games that, <clears throat> excuse me, that encourage that. Uh, Dresden Files has a, their their fate system is very much along those lines too. You build the city together, you build lots of things together, which is really cool because no one knows that setting but you and your group. And there's something really cool, cabalistic, if you will, about knowing just us. We're in this group of people with this cabal of knowledgeable folks that know this world and nobody else outside our group does. 
And it's not like you can't, you can still share your gamer war stories, right? You can still bore the guy at the comic book store with stories about your half drow or whatever. But, <clears throat> excuse me, you know it and all the pieces in it, you're, you're more emotionally invested in it because it's something you did. You're not, well, if I do this, I don't think Sean will ever let me do that because if I kill Elminster, then I just fucked up the whole Forgotten Realms. No, this is the thing you guys built together and essentially anything goes. Or, or at least that's the feeling I tend to get from it. And again, as you pointed out to me, Sean, the, the wonderment around, oh, it's a troll. I know what trolls do. Even something as simple as that, when it is not an official world, you get to lay down, hey, trolls are slightly different. They're not green. They're brown. They're not this way. They're that way. Or, or whatever the case is, which yeah. helps. Yeah. Yeah. So, so my style is usually I come up with the concept of what I'm going to do. Um, and then I tell the group, hey, this is where I'm going with this. This is the type of world we want to do, like my sci-fi world, uh, Murder Murder City is what I've named the uh, – I've taken the uh, White Wolf uh, board game, Murder City, and adapted it basically and thrown in a whole bunch of other things. Um, use that for the setting. But anyway, um, started with that, added bits and pieces of it. And then as they ask questions, okay, Brett, you said X. What does that mean? Well, X translates to this, that, and the other thing uh, so I can answer their various questions and write that stuff down, document it. I put it up on a, a wiki that we have, or I know other times previous to this, I would do a quick Word document. Just bullet points, real simple stuff, high-level concepts, or even um, sometimes specific concepts, but that were broad-brushed enough painted that were what I wanted to convey, what we could agree to. <clears throat> and then in-game, we will come up with the detailed answers around. So, so I guess to go a long way back to what talking about what Greenwood's article was that you don't have to build everything all at once. You can start with a small component of it. Where is the where is the game going to take place? It takes place in this city or this village in the dungeon outside of it. Great. Anything past that, you only need vagary. You do not need anything more detailed than that. So it's really not as much work as it may seem to, that it needs to be. You know what I'm saying? I do, and I, I do agree with that. If you So I think there's a few gamers out there that they can approach things like that where they don't have to flesh everything out. They know it's on the small scale. Start with what's in front of the characters, and that's great. They don't need to flesh out the whole world. And there's a lot of people out there that will say, look, you don't need to flesh out the whole world. Don't don't get caught up with that. And then there's ones that know that, and they can't help themselves. Well, it doesn't mean you have to subject the whole group to that, though, right? Well, no, I mean, right. <clears throat> I'm developing my the Avalon world I run with my guys. I have um, a ton of crap. I've been developing bits and pieces on lunch at work. If I've got five minutes, something hits me, I take a note on my phone. <clears throat> like, oh, this is how dwarves operate. Or, oh, wait a minute. I forgot about this thing with magic. And then everyone's well, I'll sit down. I'll crunch through stuff and make changes to it. It's really cool for me and helps me flesh out the adventures as I tell them out. But the group doesn't know everything about it because I don't have to give them everything. Where they are. They really could give a shit about the way this one fiefdom out in the middle of freaking nowhere operates. Um, I care because it's really interesting to me because one thought led to another and there I am out at that fiefdom. But where they are, they only give a shit about it. And I don't have to have all of that in order to start the game. Once the game started, keep it rolling. You know, <clears throat> you get the game going. They're in the village of whatever, Hamlet, and they're going to the Temple of Elemental Evil. You don't need much else other than just that area. You can know concepts of Ferundi and, and all these other things within Greyhawk, 
but nobody has to understand all of it. You only need just the pieces you need to get it going. Then while you're going, you can develop and build. And when somebody says, what's beyond this corner of the map, figure it out. Yeah, I think that um, I think that's good stuff. I do. I think that if I did homebrew, it would take me an extended amount of time. And not simply because I think, you know, not not because I know that I can start small. It's it, it would be where do where do things lead and okay. what plays a role in those and do I have to flesh those out and then the adventure components that you have to to kind of put into place. The the one thing that is can be a little and maybe I'm getting ahead, I don't know. One thing that I think is if you play in a homebrew setting, you get characters and players that don't know it at all. So you have to kind of spoon feed a lot of that with a lot of that to them. Okay. So on the flip side of what I can't stand about published settings where the players will buy the book, read all the way through it and know all the NPCs, the politics, they know all the secrets. There's no secrets. Right, right, right. In and the flip side is they don't know anything at all, and they don't know who to who they follow. They don't know their deities. They don't know how the religious system works. They don't know if it's high magic, low magic. Now, of course, the DM, it's your job to convey that. But um, you know, even Doc come up with a reference doc 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 my my buddy Doc who came up with a reference sheet for his campaign setting, put it out there and. I made up my guy and then he came up with a kind of a history to fit me into the group. And then I didn't read the reference doc. So when, and whose fault is that? Sean? I know it's mine and I should know better because <laughs> I'm a DM and GM and I know it drives me bonkers if I'm going to put effort into something for the players and then they don't do anything with it. Like this past Friday, my, you know, I asked, I did, I do now I'm doing audio recaps for my campaign because I don't want to type the crap out. I can just turn record on and upload it and people can listen to it anytime they want. And the nice thing about audio, not to go, this is a tangent, so I apologize. But the nice thing I, I like about audio for me is it's quick, quicker. Other people may say, oh, I can pound it out on the keyboard like Brett's a big wiki guy. I can't, I would never want to do wiki. I've tried it before and I have done it, but then I have players that never read it and they never contribute to it. So I'm like, well, piss on them then. So now I'm doing audio and I have players that will listen to it. Like Kevin will. Um, and then I've got people that won't. And I'm like, Hey, if you, well, I don't have time. Okay, that's fine. But get a podcatcher, put the RSS feed in it, carry earbuds with you. And then when you're driving to work, which is, you're not listening. Listen to it. Yeah, you're not listening to anything. But maybe, maybe morning radio. Oh, and that's. I don't know about you. That drives me nuts. You know, just hit play. And I literally, man, the podcast, the episodes, the recaps are literally ten to fifteen minutes. Well, I think what you're what you're actually touching on there, despite its tangential nature, is that the fact that when you put it, you put time and effort into something, whether it be notes for your campaign or whatever it is, and you feel like, oh my god, look at what I did, and somebody goes, yeah, I, I kind of don't care about right. How the how the you know the clerics work in this system? Who gives you shit? Gods are gods, whatever. You I don't care. You're like, oh, but I did all this stuff. Yeah. So I, I, I want to choke and, somebody. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get that. Well, don't and you? That, I mean, you got it. Brett's, honestly, it doesn't, it doesn't Brett's group got a, has a great group, no. and they all read it. And it's all no, kumbaya. No, 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 no. Not, all, <laughs> not everybody reads it, and I know that. Then you should choke those people that don't. Yeah, I should totally choke them. No, yeah. what happens is that guys like my buddy JR, he doesn't, with the shift work he's at, he doesn't have the time to do it. So he'll come in, he'll say, okay, Brett, if I remember right from last time, I made my guy based on these principles, what needs to change? This, this, and this. Okay, cool, thanks. Or what's the parameters? What box should I make my character within insofar as does a barbarian even fit here? Does If it's a sci-fi game, it's about investigating murders, Does should I make a guy who's a spaceship pilot? No, that doesn't really make any sense. You know, So they, you, you put some boundaries on it and help people kind of sort through things that they are building in the direction you need them to build for the story. Um, <clears throat> but basically, I don't – if you're building a world like that, you tend to be doing it essentially for yourself in a way because I love doing it. So it's fun to do and, and whatnot. And, and I know my group well enough to know the pieces that they are going to find interesting. If I was building it for you, Sean, I've not gamed for, for, with you, right? Or, or Doc or some of the other guys I've met at Gamehole through you and stuff. <clears throat> See, I've not gamed with them before. So were I to sit down and, and build a world that, I, that I'm like, oh, they're, they're going to totally love this. I don't know what they totally love. So – Again, it's work, and I get that. So <clears throat> on the flip side, kind of how I cut my teeth, if you will, on world building was I started taking existing worlds and just broke them. You know, I, I took Greyhawk, and I made it my own. Yeah. So uh, before you go into – I hate to interrupt because you're, you're going into something, some good stuff. But um, oh, the thing is uh, – okay, so you're talking about like I haven't played with this person or that person, and I don't know what they want – like, I don't know what you would want. So do you ask your players, like, hey, I'm going to put a science fiction campaign together. What are some of the – do you consult with them so that you incorporate their feedback? Yes. Oh, awesome. Now you can continue. <clears throat> no, I mean, it, it's a good point, though, right? Because if I was going to build it by myself <clears throat> and then share it out saying, hey, guys, I built this. In a vacuum, right? In a vacuum, yeah. right? So that's okay, and what's going to happen is they're going to come at it and ask questions like, okay, Brett, faster than light travel, is that possible? Shit, I forgot to an- answer that. I'll, I'll have to get back to you. Okay, Brett, what happens if um, I'm a cyborg and um, I have 80% of my skin is gone and all my internal organs are modified? What does that mean? <clears throat> you know, So I start talking to them about here's a basic concept of setting. What kind of character do you want to play given this type of story that I think would be fun for us? So my buddy Zave says, I'm thinking crazy-ass cyborg dude, half his body's metal. who's just been replaced. Okay, I, I, all right. Can I work with that? All right, that, that's a good thing. Let me see if I can work on that. Somebody else says, I want to make sure I can play the freakiest alien possible. Give me alien races. We got to have aliens out there. And I got to have spaceships. I don't care if we don't ever get on a spaceship. <clears throat> I just want to know that that's the type of sci-fi we have. It's not just shadow-runny Earth sci-fi. We're talking bigger planetary hopping aliens are coming to earth we got to have that type of thing all right cool i can work with that yeah what kind of space star wars or serenity <clears throat> yeah that type of thing <laughs> star wars serenity silence you know. or explosions <clears throat> yep so working with that it, it helps so where i was going <clears throat> was to when i said you know take a world and break it you know so the first thing i did was when i started running in middle earth um back in iron crown enterprises ice's uh, merp their Middle Earth role playing system. Everybody freaking knows Middle Earth, you know, them in my group back in the day in high school. I broke it. I decided it was <clears throat> end of the third age. The War of the Ring is over. It's all done. 
elves are leaving, blah, blah, blah. The undeveloped portion of it, the fourth age, if you will, the dawn thereof, is where I'm going to place my game. So anything was <laughs> was viable. There's no Gandalf. Maybe there is a Gandalf. Maybe the elves are, maybe there's this small cadre of high elves, these Noldor, that still have refused to leave and for whatever reason. And at the time, I had no access to any document from Professor Tolkien that said that was not true or it couldn't be that way. Or if I did, I chose to ignore it or <laughs> whatever the case is. But everybody was able to buy into it. Like, okay, it's Middle Earth E, but it's outside of established canon. It's different. I'll go with that. And the same thing with Greyhawk. I would take it and say, this is what happened to the Duchy of Jeff. And this is what happened in the Free City. <clears throat> and I did that a lot with um, Forgotten Realms back when my friends and I would run that either back and forth or, um, or when I was a player in it. <clears throat> we would take it places in it ahead of where the official documents were taking you, right? <clears throat> there's, a, a, there's a ruin marked on the map, you know, the Dungeon of Death. And you're like, okay, fuck it. We're going to the Dungeon of Death. Yeah, today. Dungeon of Death. Woo, exactly. yeah. And there's, no, and there's no adventure for this. It's just a thing marked on the map that TSR published. So my buddy Schaefer go, fuck, all right, Dungeon of Death. And he'd whip up some cobalt warren or something crazy. And we battle these things and do it. And in the process, we would become dukes or barons and we'd own property and whatever. And it totally has nothing to do with the official canon. We broke that world, right, officially. It does X, we're doing Y. And as I alluded to with my World of Darkness stuff, I did the same thing with Vampire. When I did that, it became my group's Vampire. You know, Brett's gaming group's version of this, Sean's group's version of X. <clears throat> so when you do that, you get the, I don't have as much work to do. I have published adventures. I have a world. I have maps. I have the way the races interact. All you have to do is go through with a red pen and mark the shit out of your out of your Forgotten Realms book, out of your um, Mouse Guard book, whatever it is, and change it. They're not mice; they're rats. Okay, something it could be something as simple as that, or they're not. It's not. What do I want to say? It's not. Um, um, the halflings operate in this other way, or the dwarves do this other thing, or whatever it is. You just take it and flip it a little bit. Just change something and tell the group that hey, guess what? It's going to be a little bit different. We're going to change some stuff as we go. <clears throat> Even if you start out flat cannon, halfway through the Mines of Fandelver or whatever it is you're doing, if it made sense that this caused a massive ripple effect that, say, you did X, a war broke out between the dwarves and the surface elves because of something stupid you did. I have no idea what the adventure is, so I'm totally making right, it. So. Yeah, I could tell. Thanks. <laughs> so Shh, if don't, it, say if any, it, don't tell anybody. So if it leads to this crazy war and upends the entire principality of something or other. Who gives a shit? Well, you if, know what? If the, if the world doesn't allow for that, just do it. And then your group goes, we were part of this thing, and this is what happened in our version of the realms. And you're on your way to homebrew. I mean, you're heading in that yeah. direction where it becomes, you know what? There's no such thing as canon anymore, guys. There's no, I don't give a crap what, what Watsy puts out for Forgotten Realms. Fuck it, we made our own. Well, I was going to, so in that campaign, I was actually going to, um, take them into the world of midnight. See, that would be fun. Yeah. And I had it going. And, but the thing is, is that, ah, uh, well, again, though, I mean, what I, I guess what I'm saying is they would be lost. That that's, I always wanted to run. I'm, I gotta say this. I always wanted to run the, like the Christopher Columbus type of campaign, which is you are here. Here's a ship. Here's a group of men and women whatever, here's all your provisions, 
and you have to, there's a long lost land that is known in the history books and we want you to go explore it and claim it for the king. And you go there and you don't know the land. You don't know where anything is. You don't know what you're going to run into and you got to set your crap up. And everything is like, you don't know nothing. You now, know would nothing. you, when you do that though, say you start off with Galorian and Pathfinder and they're going to go somewhere else. Would you then tack on another pre-published world? No, um, well, because- so that's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I may do it that way. And if I did it that way, I don't know if I'd tell them what it is. See, that's where I, I kind of did that with uh, a game a number of years ago where they went from Greyhawk and I transported them to the Iron Kingdoms by uh, Privateer Press, which was a, a fun world. I, I love that world. Um, so, how do I do this? So, anyway, back. One of the things I do is I cannibalize the crap out of everything I can find. So, I swipe maps, adventure ideas, NPC names, stat blocks, gods whatever it is. My Avalon game, which is basically at this point kind of an OSR slash Pathfinder thing that we've, we've done a number of different systems in it. But I have gods from Greyhawk I've stolen. I've stolen maps. I, I've used bits of Undermountain <clears throat> and laid it underneath my city just as parts of the sewer systems and stuff because I have all these freaking maps. They're amazing. They're fun. So I lay them out and people go in like, oh, I think this might be part of Undermountain, but fuck, press this using the map. God knows what's really in here. It's just a fun map to, to use. Um, I pulled NPC names from other adventures and other books I have because I'm not selling this world. You know, chances are your homebrew world, you're not going to sell it. You're not going to make any money off of it. You're building it with your group or for your group or just for yourself. Unless you're, money, unless you're money cook. Well, that's different. <laughs> <laughs> or Ed Greenwood. I mean, fuck, he took his and sold it all, all, in, well, that's you know, true. all in one, too. But anyway, point is, is that if you, that is a goal you have and you want to sell this thing, then I need to be cognizant of all original. I can't steal this. Has to be. I can't use um, Clendig and Silverbeard. I can't use this god from this other world. That's their IP or whatever the case is. Otherwise, I don't fucking care. Like as I've said many times, there's no there's no RPG cop who's going to come and tell me I can't use the gods from Midnight. Dude, it's just a matter. It's a matter of time, man. Just a matter of time before they before come the to, RPG cops kept be, catch yeah, me. Is that what you're saying? RPG mafia, man. They're going to come. They're going to come. You don't you don't believe me? Don't believe you. They're, they're coming for you, Brett. But does that – so how, how do I say this? So if you're going to – if I said, Sean, yeah, and you want to play in Frat Realms or wherever it is you, you want to do this thing, right. do you do you look only for Forgotten Realms modules or do you dig out no Greyhawk and go, look, boom, freaking White Plume Mountain, bitches, I'm going to throw that out there. Do you mix and match like that at all? Um, I don't or, know. You either do it that way or you're boring. Well, those are your two options. Ooh. <laughs> uh, I'm at a bit of a pickle there. I, yeah. No, nothing. I, was just, I don't, I, so I don't know. I don't, um, I don't hear, I, well, cause I don't homebrew that often. It's usually a module and the module's set up in some goofy world. I think that I, I do want to, so, um, I actually So wanna, when you run modules now, is it a single one shot? This module is what we're playing. Then I'll throw that out. We'll make new characters for the new module. Well, or you carry the characters through a campaign. It's been a while since I've run, but the Lost Mine of Fandalver is going to take a while. So okay. it's, 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 uh, there's different, there's different sections to it. I mean, just this past Friday, they got into a town and we didn't roll. I think one person made a check 
the whole session. It was all okay. them hearing rumors. Now, at the end, they've got like five, six different things that they can pursue. Now I just wait and they tell me what they want to do. Okay. And then it goes off into something else. So I think if, uh, I mean, we only play like three hours-ish, three and a half hours. Okay. And so you don't really cover like, oh, we're going to make an eight-hour, you know, marathon of it. Um, and we well, meet so every two weeks. So it's going to be quite a while yeah. before we finish it. So let me think about that then. So if your group runs more like that, like, look, I'm going to have this adventure. And who cares if I if it's homebrew or not? It's going to be this adventure. And it'll take us a year to get through it because we can only play so often or it right. takes us six months real time to get through it. <clears throat> I look to build the only, in my opinion, if you're going to build a world that you're going to share with your characters or your players, I should say, and you're going to do this thing, you really want to have the massive continuity or even the more work involved in it. It only makes sense if you're talking about prolonged exposure to that setting, right? If I, if you were to play in my Avalon world and you played once, you'd be like, okay, whatever. So there's a lot of weird quirkiness and stuff's a little bit different, but okay, who cares? I, I played in a one shot game. Yeah, so and we played for four hours. What's the point in that? That really, you know, generic generic D and D world would have been less intrusive into my role playing instead of trying to sort things out. It's funny but knowing you, that you're going to play with me for months and months. It's funny Sorry. you bring that up because when we were kids and we'd play any module, we never we never determined where we were. We never. No. I mean, we didn't. And it was literally like that. Okay, keep on the Borderlands. Great. Oh, hey, then we're gonna we're gonna play Pharaoh, and it, there was no continuity. It, there was no continuity. It was like you just started. You had your guys, and you would pick which guys because some players would have more than one character that they would be playing. So it'd be like, okay, what level is Pharaoh? Well, that's I think it's five through seven, seven through nine. Could but, be. Yeah. So you'd have. Oh, I gotta bring this guy. And then it would just we just play. It wouldn't be how you got there. It wouldn't be who's sending you. It would be whatever's in the module. Starts out, you know. Well, yeah, it's got that what that three paragraph. I'm Ray. The three paragraph blurb that says, "After traveling through the desert, yeah. your last camel died. You do this, you know." Yeah. <clears throat> so I guess for which, me, which I, love, some, I love. I love. Which is something. Which is something. Some of my buddies have brought up lately. Like we got into this kind of what we want to get out of a game recently. And it's like a couple, one of my buddies was like, dude, we just need to get back to the olden days and just play, like sit down, throw a module on the table or whatever it is. And then just play <laughs> who gives a shit about, you know, setting, you know, and it'll come along. And I think what you were going to say, what I was going to get to uh, and interrupt you appropriately about was that over time, the setting becomes more, solidified or more tangible or memorable or impactful, right? Where you were talking about you just play a one shot and your Avalon setting big whoop de doo Yeah, I did that at at uh at Evercon the first year I was there. I'm like, oh I'm gonna I'm gonna bring my world. I'll just kinda run it like this and whatever it was and I got there and I had two of my friends were in the game with me and they got it and they kinda helped other people but the the other people in the game they could give a shit. They didn't care. They didn't fucking care. And no. again, it's a it's a con game. So there's a little yeah. different little different story there. But anyway, if you're gonna do what you're talking about, go from Isle of Dread to Pharaoh to Lost Caverns of whatever, um, 
<clears throat> when you're doing that, if you're just hopping from place to place, you kind of don't care. As long as the generic D&D rules apply, right? Trolls regenerate, this does this. Now, well, I think it, I think it also <clears throat> matters if you set the expectations with your players, which I think is communication, which we always talk about. And if you set the expectations, we're done. <laughs> Why are we talking about this? Well, like I've said, though, what the it changes the expectations are good when you set them up front, but when the rubber meets the road is when you actually first start clicking dice on and you know using pencils and actually mapping things out. That's when it gets trickier. So, if you're going to to do one of the things that you were talking about that you want to make sure you get is the oh my god, it's wonderful, it's this new thing, <clears throat> it's a troll. No, wait, it's a Brett troll, and Brett trolls are. Four feet tall, shark heads, you know, blah, blah, blah. Something slightly different. They're, they behave differently. They do something different. I tweak them or whatever the case is. That becomes, when you start messing with the ecology of a creature, if you're doing it for that adventure, right? If I want to get into the ecology of the carrion crawler and go gonzo with carrion crawlers in this adventure in some way, then it's more fun to dig into the different aspects of the world and the whole setting and why it behaves this way and so on and so forth. Unless... This, if you're using a module that it's, um, what do I want to say? <clears throat> hmm. The modules tend to be preset, right, with certain right. components of it. And if you want to mess with it, that's that's one thing. But unless you really, really want to get into the minutia of like carrying crawlers or whatever, it's not necessarily that big a deal. Yes. <laughs> Brett had to give a little, one, little a little one. Yeah, uh, hug before one. they go to sleep. So I thought it would just hang there for a second. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, my little my littlest one came in. She's like all all angel face. She's missing two front teeth and smiley. Sweet. I got a little dead daddy. <laughs> You're pretty. Cool. Pretty. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. come in. Yeah. I was playing D and D with my kids. They told a segue here, and and um, she was bored. She didn't want to play D and D with us, but she wanted to draw pictures. So she said, "What should I draw?" Character and, sketches. Yeah, we told. I said, "Go draw a picture of goblins building a house." Okay, so she came back with this big piece of paper with goblins building a house. Anyway, so what I was getting at <clears throat> before my daughter distracted me was if you're the the concept of a campaign, a longer story arc, where you're going to play in the same world and everything has to be connected. The consistency, <clears throat> continuity components of it make more sense. If you know you're playing an individual module and you don't give a shit about the continuity, there is something kind of freeing in that. When I pull out um, any of the old modules or even a newer one or Dungeon Crawl Classic something, and I just fucking flip it, right? I take the dragon out, I put in a beholder. I take a, this out because someone goes, oh, yeah, I remember playing X module before. I'm like, oh, you haven't played mine. And you get in it, and you're like, oh, the way Brett runs White Plume Mountain, there's a fucking beholder in it. The way Brett runs um, this Dungeon Crawl Classics thing, he's got a DCC variant of uh, mind flayers in it. Oh, wow, that was crazy. He totally flipped that module on its head, and it was just a new way to look at it. You can still do the, the wonderful components of it, and it's bits and pieces of the homebrew world building. It's taking that module and cannibalizing it and twisting it to a way that makes it new. And you may have to figure out the um, uh, the ecology of a Dungeon Crawl Classics mind flayer is so far as it fits into that adventure. But as it... Fits into a broader DCC universe. Who gives a shit? It's just that adventure, but it still gives you that opportunity to wow the wow your players or or whatever because they'll say, "Oh my god, I didn't know how that's how that worked," or "This is a different version of something." Is it, you follow me there? Yeah, you're just talking about taking a module and and screwing it up so people don't know what's next. 
Yeah, just changing it. Yeah. Because what happens is that, again, if it's published, there's a chance fend over. Somebody could oh, have read that. That reminds me. Or I, everybody's read yeah, it. Or I whatever did, the case is, you gotta uh, you gotta fuck with it. I ran to get wonder by I did run Rise of the Ruin Lords and I ran that for a couple uh for I think it was only the first book. Regardless, I was running it for a group, Doc's group, and man, there was a guy in the group who just started he would he would ask questions or no Certain things where I'm like, dude's read this thing. I know Son he's yeah, bitch. he's read this. I know he has. So I'm thinking to myself, oh, that dickhead. I gotta, you know, I gotta switch stuff up. But how do I fuck this guy over? Yeah, exactly. Like, oh yeah, you're absolutely right. And then totally switch it on him somehow, so he gets all screwed up. But anyways, it was an interesting. Uh, it was interesting. I'm like, oh, how? Wait a minute. That is really because he would think out loud to the group and say, you yeah. know what, you know, what, what probably happens is, you know, this. And I'm like, that's son the of a The door swings to the left and a pit opens and we fall 20 son feet of for a bitch has read this thing. I know he has. <clears throat> well, Lenny did, uh, Lenny runs Return to the, uh, to the Temple of Elemental Evil, Monty Cook's um, third ed yeah. adventure. It's a great freaking adventure. It's a lot I of fun. got it. And Never. when he runs it, he runs it with a slightly different twist. Thrommel, the one anti-paladin uh, vampire dude in there, he's a badass motherfucker, and that's how Lenny runs him. When you read the module as written, meh, he's just he's, he's a monster in a room. If you do it the way Lenny does it, it's a living, breathing ecosystem dungeon, and shit goes bad in a hurry, and people run away, and they do different things. They try different power tactics. It's a very live, living, breathing thing. And that, to me, is also homebrew world-building. Because you're taking something that's pre-published and you're hacking it and twisting it. And if you do that type of thing and you enjoy doing it at a, at a certain point, if you say, well, I don't know if I could build my own world from scratch. Yes, you can. Because if you could do that, if you could take a big epic size adventure or Rise of the Rune Lords or anything like that and change it, tweak it, mod it, you can take that stuff and just start expanding it out. You can take um, Forgotten Realms or Galorian or anything else, and you can start to modify that world so that it becomes something that's just you and your groups. Again, though, you're only going to get the biggest bang for your buck, in my opinion, if it becomes uh, if there's continuity with that world. You keep the same characters keep going, right? Yeah. You don't just go, hey, bring your fifth level guys because we're running this adventure. Hey, bring your second level guys. Bring your eighth level guys. If it's always, you know, this dude, that other guy, and this and this character come into it and you just keep marching from place to place and it matters who sends you where and the NPCs you meet, you want to have lasting relationships and all that shit, then, then it matters more. One of the things I'm going to try to do sometime, it's always been lingering in the back of my head and aside from what I mentioned before, is I want to try to run a game and not and with so minimal prep where it's mostly improv. I do that all the time. I know, and that's what I think you have to kind of do if you're running homebrew and you're not the chronicler, right? Yeah, if, if you're, you're the mighty the chronicler who... of the world, you're gonna just you're gonna be so caught up with writing a freaking book. No, what I do is the reason I take notes and I publish the notes to the wiki after each adventure takes place in the homebrew world is two is well a couple of them reasons. The first reason is so the players remember what the hell happened. The second, so I remember what the fuck I did because I'm making shit up. <clears throat> it's a homebrew. I can't just go. Oh, yeah, flip, 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 page three, highlight, 
you know, discussion with Elminster, go over here, do they talk to so-and-so, they went over to the Red Wizards and did this. I don't have any of that. It's shit. It's a sketch that I put together and it's shit that I know or I built, but it is not. It's it's just stuff we came up with on the, on on the fly. So I take a quick a couple quick sketch notes. This is bullet point items, and off you go. So when you do that, you have you, you know, in my opinion, you got to take some notes or you got to do something to to keep yourself straight. Because if you don't do that, it gets ugly. I think we got to put more. I got to put we got to put more responsibility on the damn players. Yeah, I'm sick of freeloaders, man. <laughs> I Freeloaders. am. Jeff, if you're listening to this, you son of a bitch, you're going to start freaking pulling your weight in this group or I'm going to get freaking, I'm going to get medieval on your ass. And Doc is going to kick Sean right in the nuts for not reading his handout. Oh, shit. That's true. I better freaking drink my own Kool-Aid. <laughs> yes, you But should. seriously, man, if I, I, I think there's some good, like uh, Austin was really good this past week. He did it all in, in his handwriting and actually posted a scan of it as an image to Google Plus, he's like, here's here's the notes if anybody's interested, which is great. Dude, when Sean came to play in my Avalon group the first time, he went through the entire wiki page, all the wiki pages I'd ever written about Avalon over yeah. years worth of sketching. He came back, I mentioned something, he goes, oh, lamplighters? Those guys are this, this, this. Hell, they're basically the lifeblood of Avalon. A whole group looks at him and goes, where'd you get that from? I said, that boy read the wiki. Yeah. <laughs> it was really cool. Well, he is one of those guys who will totally grab onto it read it, pay attention to it, live it, love it. He's in it, you know. And sure, not everybody has the time or the desire or whatever it is. But at some point, <clears throat> to really get what you want to get out of it as a player, to have the most amount of fun you can, get it. you got to get involved in it, right? right. So I think, I think what you're hitting on is a good point in that it's you're building it as a group. No right. matter how you do this homebrew thing together, <clears throat> excuse me, unless you're a real hardcore, it's my way, highway dictatorship, heavy on the dick, it's you've got to come back and you've got to your players are gonna throw stuff at you. You're gonna spit diamonds, you're gonna to have to grab things, change it around. Well, obviously, when we're in this section, the you know, spaceships can't just use the hyperdrive like they did before. They must be using some sort of impulse power, right? Oh yeah, shit, impulse that totally makes sense. It's just a, it's a small piece, it's a note. But when they say that stuff, it becomes canon for that homebrew world you have, and people build off of it. Well, and that's a good thing too, like uh <laughs> not to not to pick out Austin, but I'm like, oh, you're playing a cleric. And so he had an encounter with this um, woman. Um, and, you know, she says, what, what, you know, religion do you follow or preach? And then it was, okay, and then where, where do you come from? And you know what? It's funny. Any of my player characters could make up anything. Because the world, even when you're talking about a prefab world like Forgotten Realms, Greyhawk, some some of the big ones, Galarian, it doesn't matter because there's always a town nobody knows of. If you get a yes. if you whip out a freaking state map in the United States in the 21st century and ask somebody where they're from, it may not even be on that goddamn map. Yeah, but it still there. exists. There's more Springfields in the United States, I think, than any other town. That's right. right. So that kind of goes to my point where players, come on, man. Well, the other part of the key, though, is that when the players do it, you as a game master have to take it and run with it. Absolutely, man. There are... Quid pro quo. I have talked to other people that when... At cons and stuff, I've had discussions with folks like, well, you know, I like to... I try to throw some stuff out, but "Eh, I'm a game master, but it's not canon to this or whatever. It's just not allowed. I'm like, what the fuck do you mean it's not allowed? And I guess if you're going to play 
a campaign arc like Rise of the Rune Lords. I don't know how big that is, or some of the some of the longer running components of it. There's a certain amount of consistency you need to have, perhaps, to keep it going. But even then, who cares if you didn't? If you go through Rise of the Rune Lords and you never really do it as it's written, who cares? Right. I know some folks will say, and I've met these people. This is why. This is why I'm saying it. Well, then you didn't really play it. You changed it. The, the Giants didn't do the right thing, or that's not how they're supposed to be. If you would have read the this, that, or the other thing, that's, that encounter never would have happened like that. I'm like, who cares? We, we need, play yeah. Rise of the Rune Lords. No, you didn't. Oh, comic, really? comic, book guy need, yeah, comic book guy needs to, be, he needs to be tossed to the wayside. Absolutely. All right, man. So I think we wrap that up. We got to move on. All right. Die roll. Still want to talk about it. I know. People don't like it when we talk for more than an hour. I know. We get yelled at. I know. They don't want to push play on their podcast. <laughs> podcast more than once. More than once. <sighs> I should right, probably man. not rip on our listeners. I love you, listeners. I love you. I Sean Hayes, you should hear what he says off air. It's terrible. Anyway, die roll, huh? God damn it. I'll yeah, start. die roll. Okay, you're going to start. Two to, five point, start. two to five points we talk about, a, about gaming or geekery. Unless you're Brett, he talks about hunting. <laughs> it's a thing I do. So um, I found out I was going through. I, um, Mo Tusano and a couple of the guys were talking about they're reorganizing their shelves and stuff. And I'm like, you know what? I looked over my gaming couple shelves and went, God damn, that's just a rack. I've been moving stuff around. I got to I don't even know what some of the modules I have anymore. <clears throat> and I'm doing some research for my sci fi game. So I started tearing things apart, moving it. And I have this stack of books, like literally a foot and a half high. And I'm like, I don't need these. Why do I have these? Why? Why? I'm never going to play this again. Why Why can't I get rid of it? And I put it right back on the shelf. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> <Yeah>. Christ. <laughs> like, Tiny house living there. I know. Right I, there. I got it down though. I have got three books I decided that I don't need. I think, I think I'm going to get rid of them. I moved them from one part of my room to the other on three separate occasions, and they're making their way slowly to the door. So we'll see if I actually get rid of them. I'm just a bibliophile, man. I can't help it. You know, if they, they disappear, you'd never know. I mean, you would know, but you would – I mean. <clears throat> Yeah, I'd know. Whatever. <laughs> the other one is uh, in. Uh, this is the uh, the link that tried to try to convince uh, Sean oh, to be a Packers fan. God damn! The, this the, thing our, was our posted are... in one freaking day. It showed up in my stream ten times on Google Plus. I'm like, yes, I freaking know this. And then Brent Newell, Brent, I, you're a good guy, man. He's like, why? Oh, what were we slamming? Good exposure? And I'm like, no, I just don't think it's newsworthy. And I don't need the freaking Packers to vilify my, or to legitimize my freaking hobby. Go ahead. No, they're not legitimizing it. It's just <sighs> cool, right? When the Packers, the Packers apparently are big uh, sellers of Catan players. So that's kind of cool. That's all I wanted to say, but it's kind of fun to watch Sean go crazy. <laughs> I just get worked up on the dumbest <laughs> shit. <laughs> The best part about it was Wayne Humphrey going, "Hey, Brett and Sean, look what you're yeah, doing." Then I got Wayne Humphrey like, freaking like, telling this me, "This is awesome, thanks, Wayne." God. <laughs> oh. And I'm like, Wayne, I am not a freaking Packers fan. I don't. I could give more shits about this goddamn I think, article. I, me thinks the lady doth protest too much. <laughs> <sighs> the other one is uh, School of Night. It's uh, Ken Height does. Uh, uh, Ken writes about stuff for Pelgrane Press. It's a cheap little PDF series that he does. And I've not signed up for the um, the subscription model. I think it's like twenty five bucks a year or something. You get all the different PDFs he, he cranks out that year. But School of Night is like a it's a cool little piece around uh, Shakespearean England and um, groups of people. And it actually comes from a Shakespeare play 
um, the School of Night, <clears throat> is mentioned in one of the plays. I can't recall it, and Ken said what it was, and I'm forgetting. Anyway, the point is, it's a group of people, playwrights, um, dilettantes, and other folks in that time period that are all together basically using magic to you know, save the realm, if you will, and so on. It's kind of a, um, a, a period piece on uh, using the gumshoe system on magic and uh, fighting monsters and stuff at that time. It just it looked really cool. I picked it up. It was like four bucks or something cheap like that. So I've been reading it. It looks really cool. I think I might uh, turn it into something. So I suggest folks go take a look at it. Your turn. All right. So um, on a downside, um, Wargaming Hall of Fame member and creator of Squad Leader, John Hill, has passed away. Yeah, now, I saw that. I'm... You know, there's a lot of, there is a lot of people in the gaming industry. There's a lot of people that contribute to the gaming industry. And there's a lot of people, I don't know how they've contributed to the gaming industry and what they, and John was one of them. I hadn't heard of John before. I haven't played Squad Leader. But I think that if you've played war games in some capacity or another, or specifically Squad Leader, um, obviously he's in the Hall of Fame. Um, so that that happened. There's a link in the show notes if you don't know or want to know more about John's um, quote-unquote legacy. There's some pictures in there. I thought that was kind of important because of the hobby we're in. And I'm not a big miniatures gamer. You know, it's, I don't, it's, it's the small cardboard shits, right? You know, squad, squad leader type of right. setup. <clears throat> yeah, old, no, I, I know that. Old school. It's a, yeah. really, it's a fun game. I have not played it since high school when my buddy Eric Schaefer had it. And it's a blast. Yeah, I would love to it's, play it. I'm an army guy. I I've always wanted to get into that. I know I know it's got a good reputation. I just and it's a pinnacle in that genre. I just haven't gotten into it. Yeah, it does it does suck when, you know, when the old guard like that when they when they pass. If nothing else, just it's it's cool to I know sometimes people don't necessarily like asking the old guys what they think about today's stuff, but sometimes it's kind of neat just to see what they have to say and also just to look back on some of the older stuff. Like this gives me pause. I look back and I go, what's changed since that time? Anything? <laughs> really? Yeah. You know, what advancement has there been since? So that's sad. It sucks. Yeah. Um, on another note, and uh, that aside, as we're sitting here, I get a text message from my buddy Jeff. Now, <laughs> now, and it was via, hold on a second. I think it was, uh, Dude, just- I, I want to say it was Facebook Messenger. So the reason I bring this up to Brett, and I don't know if I brought this up on the on a, the show before, is I've I'm running a I'm running a campaign, uh, the Lost Mine of Fandelver, and when I invited people to play, I said I'm going to use Google Plus for everything. I'm going to use the whole Google e- ecosphere, and if you're not interested in that, you don't want to use it. This is not the game for you. So I I send out it. I use I have a Google Plus community. I send out a Google Plus event so people can RSVP and it populates their Google Calendar. You know, I, I everything like Google Plus and I use Roll Twenty to run the actual game. Yeah, right. So and, Je- and Jeff's on top of that. And awesome. my buddy Jeff, he he will text me. You know, if it's game, like if he's like, dude, I need a lift uh, to go somewhere or whatever. Yeah, call me, text me, whatever. I get it. But if it's game related, I don't, the reason I do that, so people are like, gosh, I'm kind of uptight and what an asshole. But this is the reason why I do it is because if he asks the question on Google Plus, it may be the same question another player has. And then they can just read it at their leisure and go, oh, okay, multi-classing's allowed, multi-classing's not allowed, or whatever it is. 
And it just keeps the game together and it keeps the communication all in one central location. But God damn it, if he just doesn't text me like, hey, the first time he did it was, hey, do you allow multi-classing? And then I'm like, I'm not going to answer him. I'm not going to answer. So literally the night of the the night of the, the, the we game, which is Friday, the first question out of his mouth is, hey, um, so you, I don't think you ever answered me. Are, we, are you going to allow multi-classing? I thought you were going to. And I'm like, yep, yeah, sure. Right. Because we're playing at that point. But sure enough, I'm sitting here and he's like, hey, do we get any XP from our last session? What about the XP? Uh, you know? posted on Google Plus, goddammit. And he didn't get any XP, but if he went to Google Plus and listened to the recap, he would know. Yeah. Or I would have told him at the end of the adventure. Um, or post on freaking Google Plus and I will be happy to reply. So guess what Jeff gets? A big old freaking silent, silenced dead air response. <laughs> God, Sean, you're such an ass. Hey, and you know what? He doesn't even listen to this podcast, so I could give a shit. <laughs> Anyways, I know Jeff. I've He's the, the longest guy I've ever known. I mean, I, I met him when I was six years old. I know this guy. He's the only guy that I think I actually knew that, when my parents were together. And that's saying something because my parents divorced when I was like five. This, this is one of the reasons why Sean is not allowed to run a friendly, quote-unquote, neighborhood gaming store. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck out of here what's wrong with you kids god damn it <laughs> son of a bitch next thing choose your own adventure using twitter accounts so someone uh built and choose your own adventure it's at uh if you go to twitter terrence eden is the individual i don't know terrence i don't think we're connected uh his twitter uh, handle is at edent e-d-e-n-t uh, choose your adventure story uh, using Twitter. And if you're a child of the 80s and 90s and read the books, um, I don't know how he did it. It's He said it's quite clever, supposedly. Um, but yeah, check it out. Um, I think he made multiple accounts and then said, hey, if, okay, blah, 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 here. And then, but I guess, uh, so originally, so at the time, excuse me, at the time I found this news article his original tweet had like 5,000 retweets and 2,500 favorites. Oh, cool. Um, so he says, in 12 January is when he put it up there. I've created a choose-your-own-adventure on Twitter. Start here. And I think he has different accounts. So you click that, and it takes you to... Next account and so on. Yeah, the next account and next account, and then it probably goes back to another one and just has different links to each different one based on your response. So, hey, if you are, you know, get out some time, check it out. Um, some something to do during those incredibly boring corporate meetings. This right? Yeah, because they don't block. What Twitter. are you doing? I'm, I'm checking out my email. Hang on a second. <laughs> Twitter at <laughs> they work. Don't block Twitter, dude. It's my private phone, man. Utter, me. Yeah, utter brilliance. Some people say this is Twitter's uh, at Twitter at its best. Um, so check it out. He also wrote a blog post detailing how he made the game, um, which was inspired by the horror novel The Wanderer by Timothy Jarvis, which I have not read. Um, but if you are familiar with that, then you may even know a little bit more of what he's basing it on. So check that out. Cool. Yeah. So I think uh, I think that's pretty much sums up episode nineteen. I think so. Um, the whole homebrew thing is really cool. I mean, the the concept of taking stuff, crashing it, smashing it, making it your own. You know, it's it, it's worth doing. It's absolutely worth doing. Yeah, I think it would be rewarding for sure. And I think that's what I'm going to try to do is just go, here's the world. I'm going to give, like, write down a bunch of names, you know, write down a bunch of 
stuff and monsters and change them. And maybe it's DCC. I don't know. We'll see. But I, it's something I'd like to do. It's good. It's fun. Yeah. So I am one of your co-hosts, Sean. Thanks for tuning in to Gaming BS. I'm Brett. Good night. Good game, all. 